Hi, everyone. Welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I don't... I mean, normally we're recording today's... Uh, episode given the timing of what we're going to talk about we're recording it a little later than we normally do and i normally don't record these with coffee normally i have like a soda uh so i don't know what that's going to do to my voice slash anything but it's you know i'm I'm hoping that i will get more insightful as our conversation goes on and the coffee kicks in (laughs) well what are we talking about today then well well we are talking about um Something that I suspect will be of great interest to our audience um, and necessitated our, our later than usual recording schedule because we had to wait till it was in the theater so we could see it. Uh, we are talking about Downton Abbey, A New Era, the Downton Abbey feature film sequel, which hysterically does not mention its like title until the final card of the movie, which is just hilarious to me. They're like, you don't care what this movie's called. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. I'm going to go with you're not wrong. Um, Honestly, I don't think people really care whether or not there's a plot to this movie. It, the, and there isn't really like there. I mean, there is, but I don't. It, it's uh, what really? It's not like a particularly impactful plot. OK, so, you know, the first Downton movie, you know, it, it, it at least had like, you know, a very solid, you know, a royal visit. I mean, that just you don't need anything else but a royal visit. That's enough plot right there to carry two hours. Yeah, it's not even like that's not even super, you know, it's not like it's just like a very long episode. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not it's not the way I think of like a movie that needs to have like a a standalone self-contained story that it's telling that's it's just a it's like a extension or a postscript yeah whereas this one because neither plot is as strong as a royal visit there's basically two plots that are sort of intertwined the first one is that um lady mary gets a request from a hollywood director jack barber Asking if it's basically saying that they want to use Downton as the on set location to film their to film his next silent movie that's going to be a big hit or something. And, you know, the whole family's just like, ew, you want you people, right? Film people. Ew. Um, Meanwhile, at the same time, simultaneously, um, uh uh lady uh dowager countess violet's lawyer shows up and says by the way so you know this guy that you spent like a week with once back in 1864 yeah he like died and like bequeathed you an entire house in france in southern france it's a a fancy house in southern france right and like you know the rest of the family's all like excuse me what and, you know, like, I'm sorry. Are they new? <laughs> if there is literally one person on earth that I would be like, a random man would gift them an estate in the south of France after spending a week in their presence, it is Violet Crawley. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's just like, wh- duh. Right? I don't know. Why is anyone shocked by this? Well, the rest of the family is kind of shocked and like, did she sleep with him? What happened? Has there been this love affair for years that no one ever knew about? And she's like, no, he was just some potty weirdo who wanted to leave me a house. And I was like, whatever. And then he left me a house. Whatever. I'm going to give it to Sibby. <laughs> Which actually I love. Because, I do too. Because, because it's so um, it's so unlike the image you have of Violet in your head uh, uh, as being really like 
you know, staid and old school and and snotty and snobby. And I think she really has evolved over the course of the franchise. But I love that she thought about that, that she thought about that it was going to be Sybil's daughter yeah. who didn't get anything. Basically got screwed by by you know, by fate, you know, by no fault of her own. In this way, you know, it's not hexam money, but it'll do, right? Um, so they're so the thing is, is that Violet really isn't up to going to visit the south of France. So Robert and Cora, you know, volunteer to go with Branson and brand new bride Lucy. Oh, by the way, Bouton starts with that. The new movie just starts with the wedding and gets it out the way, which I thought was very nice of them. Um, I had um here is a confession that I have to make you guys. I had. Uh, which I suspect will also happen with this movie because it's sort of like what it's built for. I had no memory, basically, of any plot details that happened in the first movie. I remembered that that uh, Imelda Staunton was in it, and I remembered that the king came to visit, and that was legit, like, it. And it took me a minute to figure out who this girl Tom Perry was marrying <laughs> was because I just, I mean, that's sort of the point of these movies, isn't it? That they're sort of like ephemeral in your mind. They're like right. really enjoyable while you're watching them. You're left with warm fuzzies and it's fun, but I don't, I suspect that I won't remember much of this, of the specifics of this one beyond several key plot points. Yeah. So basically, you know, Robert and Cora say they'll go to France and check out the villa and meet meet the meet the the wife who is the the actual wife of the guy who left Violet a random house, the widow. Um, and you know, basically make sure she doesn't want to sue the hell out of them. And you know, Branson and Lucy are going to go because you know Sibby is technically their daughter, so they're going to go check it out for her since she's only fourteen. And the Hexams decide they want to come along because I don't know. They're just rich and bored. I think. Why the hell not? It's southern France. It's summer. Why not? So. Oh right. Oh wait. You. Edith. Edith has decided that she's going to be a journalist again. So oh She's right. going to like that was write an article about people who go to the south of France in the summertime because it's beastly hot and. That's weird. I don't know. I couldn't like just to, just be rich, girl. Just like get up. I, I don't know. Garden. <laughs> I have to say, like, I actually there, there are excuses for every single thing that happens. And half of them didn't register. Like there's an ex- OK. So, you know, then then some of the servants have to go along with them. So, you know, Bates is going because, you know, Robert can't function without a manservant. And Baxter is going because Cora needs her lady's maid. And then Carson is going because I don't know, Jim Carter and Amelia Stoughton are married uh, <laughs> and just wanted to go film in the South of France together. Which I love. Technically, the in-plot reason is that they needed to get Carson out of the house because otherwise he would, like, uh, constantly harass the film crew. Yeah. There is a fear that he will not exactly sabotage the film crew, but that, that he will get it in will the be way. Diffi- he will be difficult. Yeah. So th- that's the excuse that Mary makes up. But honestly, it's really because Jim Carter and Amelia Stoughton are married and they want an excuse to go to the south of France together for a movie and, you know, make in jokes about mad. how they're married. I, I, I honestly, I was not mad at that scene. And it really struck me when they hit that in joke scene and the entire audience around me burst out laughing that everybody oh, you had a way cooler screening than I did. Um, I, I well, I, I went to a special screening before the movie actually opened. Um, So I was uh, surrounded basically by super fans and that's that's what it really occurred to me that this is a little bit like a marvel movie like the 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 in jokes really do sort of require you to know about the backstory of the characters and the actors and the show like it it requires and it, it requires insider information in a way that that most 
indie films like this don't rely on. And I thought that to be I thought that was very interesting because, you know, this is this is supposed to be the film that brings, you know, people back to theaters who aren't Marvel people. And they're doing it by aping the Marvel movie way of bringing people in. And I thought that was really kind of weird and kind of interesting. I mean, the thing that this movie is going to do gangbusters because it is aimed at a specific you know, it's it's aimed at the masterpiece audience who is who don't have a lot of reasons to go to the theater these days. If yeah. you sort of balance, like the trailers I saw in front of this movie versus the trailers I saw in front of like Doctor Strange two were just like miles apart from each other. Oh yes. Um, I will say I thought I thought I will get it out of the way and say that I thought this movie was was good. It's very like it's it's very it's everything you expect it to be is everything you think it will be it's everything this movie probably should be it's like a great time for fans it's a really like it ticks all the boxes of what you think a Downton Abbey sequel should be um it's also too long um I weep for the 90 minute version of this movie I think that would have been so much better I think they should have picked a lane about the two dueling plots because I don't think I don't think anything got enough time to breathe and I think they needed to find a reason for some of these characters to be on vacation like I know part of the fun part of the fun of this is seeing them all back together again, but at this point, all of them is roughly like thirty five people. So at this point, like most of them don't even really get lines. Yeah, I, I would. I that was kind of noticeable too. I mean, and on some on some level, it makes sense though because like at this point, Bates and Anna have already had all their dramatic stories. So the fact that they only share like two scenes together. And you see their kid, like, for five seconds. Like, that kind of makes sense. But also, was it super necessary? Probably not. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like... So, one of the things that really uh, that really struck me about the South of France storyline is that it made no sense on, like, a base level. And the... Sh- and- and in the same way that we got these winking, we got like winking scenes where like Jim Carter and Amelia Staunton are, are are referred to as husband and wife on screen by someone who mistakes them for what they really are. Um, you know, at one point, who uh, uh, Bonneville turns almost straight up, turns to the camera and says, it makes no sense for them to be here. Like he's literally winking at us like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know this makes no sense. It fully feels. And the thing is, is that I get like a big part of the reason people love period dramas is they love this sort of window into really lush, really expensive, mm-hmm. really like dramatic settings that we would never otherwise encounter in our real lives. Like that South of France set is beautiful. That villa is gorgeous. Like I want to go to some, there. Like someone leave me a villa in their will is what I'm saying. But like that, th- that felt very much like, well, we need to give the rest of these people something to do. Yes. And much. they just came up with that. And it doesn't, it other than like when the film starts, Violet inherits a house. When the film ends, Violet has inherited a house. And there is literally like a bunch of stuff that happens in between, but absolutely none of it matters yes and um that is also remarkable um because they throw in several plot lines um they they have have saved some of this like could we have saved cora is mysteriously ill with a wasting sickness could we have saved like robert might not actually be his father's son right this just feels like it feels like they put a bunch of stuff in a list that would have been episodes on their own if this had been another season of the show and just sort of like randomly mentioned them at various points in this film, like it just felt it felt very busy, but not coherent. Yeah. And, you know, of course, none of this actually 
you know, none of these dramas actually come to anything. None of it. None of it matters because right? it all like, I don't, you know what? Actually, on some level, I actually really do respect that because I think what people want from these movies is just sort of a continuation of all the things they loved about the show. I actually really respect this franchise, other than the fact that, spoiler alert, Violet Crowley finally shuffles off this mortal coil. Yes, but listen, it was time. I know, because I always say because Maggie Smith is D-O-N-E with this, but um, other, th- other, than, other than that happening, which at this point, like, sort of had to happen just because, like, time is still passing in this universe. Like, I really respect this film for not doing the thing that a lot of feature film adaptations of series feel the need to do, which is drastically change things that the show settled. I actually really love that it's like, we're just here to give you an update, not to, like, you know, Mary doesn't have an affair with the hot film director right like there's no there it doesn't break up people who were together at the end of the show it doesn't there's no huge like seismic shifts in the universe yeah. of down Abbey. yeah robert is his father's son yeah cora is not dying of a wasting disease it that that that's all just that, that that's all just there for, for for a moment of drama and then we move on yeah i like that it, i like that it understands that it needs to sort of not reset entirely but kind of reset because people don't People don't want these films to drastically alter the world they saw on TV. Yeah. Um, because then they won't want to come back. Or then it will end. And I, and I think that's actually really smart because it it is. It's it's not. I, th- I can't help but think of like the Sex in the City movies, which are terrible and <sighs> no one should watch. But uh, like the Sex in the City movies, not once, but twice, completely undo the happy ending that the show ended on. And before, then the like, and then the and just like that thing that came out this past yeah. winter also undid them all again just for the hell of it. Yeah, and that's really like as someone who enjoys the franchise, that's really annoying because now there's this big section of it that I have to just essentially ignore and or forget exists because it undid all the stuff that I spent six years watching in the show. And I think that Downton is a little bit like that. And at least Julian Fellows is aware enough to know not to do that, if you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. Um, speaking of Lady Mary and uh, the director, Jack Barber, let's talk about that plot, because that plot is also like the Jim Carter, Amelia Staunton moment, uh, a plot that really requires you to know your Downton Abbey history in order to fully appreciate it. Um, if it, So the first movie, the, the, the Royal Visit, was based on a real thing that happened. It, there was the King, King George V and, and Queen Mary really did come and stay at Highkirk Castle. They stayed at like in like 1910 when he first took the throne, not 1926, seven, whatever it is. But like that actually did happen. There is historical basis for it. There is historical basis for the plot of, of Downton Abbey being used as a film set. It's Downton Abbey. This is literally the story of Downton Abbey reimagined for the 1920s. The Hiker Castle was actually falling apart in 2009, needing like millions of pounds of repairs in order to make it inhabitable again. They don't quite go that far with Downton Abbey. Like they have tons of pots and they upstairs and they say that the roof is ca- is going to cave in soon. But it's the same it's the same thing. They, they they need a new roof and they can't afford it and here comes Hollywood to basically save the building. And that is actually really what happened. And I 
I, I felt many times that a lot of the jokes about, um, you know, painted actors sitting on our furniture, you know, you taking our cutlery, stealing things from us, whether is that actually a prop or, did, or, or was that actually ours? I felt like those were things that probably really happened during the filming of Downton Abbey that Fellows was basically reincorporating into this silent film. And I I thought that to be very, uh, for me, that was very fun. And for the audience I was with, again, who all knew and all clearly recognized that this was Downton making fun of itself and how meta this was, really enjoyed. Interesting. My audience did not know that. Um, but I will say that the the Mary subplot was actually my favorite part of the movie, other than literally any time Maggie Smith talked. But that's sort of just like a general rule of my life. But uh, can I, I lo- just say, I I I I, know, I I I I'll let you finish in a second. But honestly, this is what I really wish they had done with uh, Matthew Crawley when he wa- when when Dan Stevens wanted to leave originally. Oh, just sort of like he's alive, but not there. Yeah, that they basically have decided that their marriage is over and they're quietly living, you know, rich people lives on two different continents, happily, not not non-happily ever after, stiff upper lip ever after. I don't I don't think that would have worked for Matthew as a character, though. I 100 percent. I 100 okay. percent buy it for um for the Matthew Good character. Hen- Henry. Henry. Thank you. I could never think I could never whatever. He's Matthew Good. <laughs> Um, he's a hot vampire from Discovery of Witches. And actually, could um, I just say that it's actually, it was Discovery of Witches season three that he was filming that he couldn't get no, out of. That's the incorrect, reason. Incorrect. Incorrect. It was the offer. That weird Godfather show. Oh, really? I thought he, mm-hmm. I thought he was off being a vampire. Oh. I think he was done being a vampire by then. Because okay. I think they filmed two and three of Discovery of Witches together. Anyway, okay. back to the point I was going to make, which is that the Mary subplot was actually my favorite of the film. Not just, and I, I actually thought it was really clever the way that they sort of interjected these kind of subtle marital problems for her and Henry, and they, you know, Hugh Dancy is gorgeous, so I would also flirt with him. Um, but none of that was really that important to me. It really sort of clarified for me something that, that I know I have a kinder read of Mary than a lot of people, or, or rather, I still love her despite the fact that I am very aware of all of her flaws. But something that really struck me about this film is that it openly acknowledges something that I think we had all really kind of felt underneath for a while, but didn't have the words to kind of describe it. Uh, when they're talking about Violet dying and they're talking about uh, what Mary, you know, what Mary, whatever they basically say, like after Violet dies, Mary will become her. Yes. And I loved that. And this, because... is, Mary, this is very much Mary becoming her. Yes. This whole plot is Mary becoming Violet. And I think we, I think we saw that for many of the last few seasons of the show itself too. I think it's been a really, um, for this show, surprisingly subtle and Mm -hmm. extended sort of maturation of her character into Violet 2.0. Yes. And it really makes me think about, I loved Mary and Matthew, no no lie. And I think that had Matthew lived, Mary's life probably would have gone a lot differently. I think Henry's fine. But I really think that one of the key sort of love stories in the show is Violet and Mary. And... And I think I I just love the idea of her growing up to be her grandmother and the part, the, the part where they have the scene together and she Violet tells her to be a dragon. Like I just, it's so, it's so great. Um, Michelle Docker and Maggie Smith are wonderful together anyway, but like, I love that relationship. I love that evolution of that relationship. I love that in some 
really tangible ways like Violet will live on through Mary. And I like the way that the show kind of set it up so that it doesn't really matter if Henry comes back or not, because Mary's already seen that it's possible to be a woman with a lot of power and agency and ability to choose her own future alone because her grandmother did it. And I also, I, it just like, you know, this is definitely one of those moments where you see a character grow, you know, Downton Abbey season four, Mary would have slept with the director. Mm. Downton Abbey movie, Mary would not. Downton Abbey movie Mary doesn't need men. She 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 likes she doesn't to have need like that. She yeah. doesn't need the validation of that, and she even is self aware enough to make fun of it to Edith. Yes, and that she she's perfectly happy to basically be admired, but she doesn't need them anymore. The same way, and I think that this is the one place where I felt like the two plots really echoed each other. The same way that Violet, you know, when when we all realize that Violet didn't actually sleep with the Marquis dude, and that you know Robert is actually his father's son, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that she basically has passed the test the same way Violet passed the mm. test back in 1864. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that was the one place where I felt like those two storylines actually made sense together. It's the only place where these two storylines make sense together. And I feel like they really could have done that without sending half the cast to France. But whatever. Hey, listen, if you have the budget to send half the cast to France, you send half the cast to France. Anyway, um, I, I did. I also have to say that, you know, one of the things about. Um, the first Downton Abbey movie that bothered me was the servant stories, the downstairs stories, and how we had this, you know, you know, but we want to serve storyline. I mean, we do still we do still get some of that here though, don't get me wrong. I need to know if they paid Mosley for writing their movie, because he seemed to be very much all about like um just like I I love films. I, I don't know. I need to know if they just like did some wage theft there because it felt like they might have um okay i we'll get back to that in a second because i actually do have stuff to say about that but i liked the fact that both anna and daisy have a real actual like tangible plot thing that happens where so basically it's a silent film and um we have a dominic west is a guy and he's a he's basically the 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 lead actor and uh uh, and laura haddock is myrna degley she's the lead and she's the the actress and Myrna basically has this incredibly bad Cockney accent and is just like, like she sounds like she's from, she, she sounds like she's out of Oliver. And, you know, now she suddenly has, you know, she's terrified because she knows when talkies come that she doesn't sound right. And this movie gets turned into a talkie halfway through. And so what they basically do is they have Lady Mary be the voice of her character while she acts it out. And she freaks out because this is a horrifying thing. Like, she's not being allowed to use her own voice. She's basically, you know, this is this is the end of her career. And Daisy... Well, and she also acknowledges that her, her voice is... is uh... Let's just say it does not sound like genteel upper class. No, and and it it, it doesn't match the it doesn't match the look that she's given on screen. Um, and so basically, you know, Daisy and Anna go in there, and Daisy's basically like, "You're like you're one of us. Get up, you know, put your big girl pants on, and let's do this." 
And I really, I, you know, especially because Daisy has always so been the butt of jokes in Downton, that seeing her be the one to sort of be like, no, Z-Snap, get up, was <laughs> just like, I, I really loved that moment. And that really made that that really that that part of the movie that and, you know, mostly proposing to Baxter under a microphone um, were two of my favorite moments of that plot line. Um, I also love Mosley finally proposing to Baxter because it really should have just happened during the show itself. Seriously, I mean, I'm still sort of annoyed that it didn't. But I kind of feel like the movies have dumbed mosley and that relationship down to an extent that i that i really dislike oh yes i still like them together but it's really like i don't know it's there's something about it that also just makes me uncomfortable at the same time mosley is now the butt of jokes the way daisy used to be and that bothers me yes but uh, not as much okay so let's go back to the servants because not as the thing that actually bothered me the most about the downstairs storyline this season is that they're literally scabs we are in a pro-union moment, people. Right? Like the world but they is get to dress up in costumes. In order to allow them to dress up in costume and give them their moment on screen, the extras all go on strike because they haven't been paid. And the servants are asked yeah. to scab for them. Yeah, they are. And we're supposed I to hadn't... cheer. Uh, well, I don't know if you know this, but this is a Julian Fellows movie. Yes, of course. So I know. <laughs> I d- you should not be shocked. But yeah, this just, is just it, another version of the can't. I can't believe we can't work harder for you, rich people. <laughs> I still need to know. I mean, I'm glad. I was really glad that when Hugh Dancy decides to to hire Mosley to be his screenwriter, he actually talks about money because I'm pretty sure he let him do this movie for free. I'm pretty sure he did too. And. <laughs> No, yeah. dislike that. Um, as, free, as people who have worked as freelance, that's not okay. Like, I mean, I guess it's okay if Mary's doing stuff for him for free because she's rich anyway. But like, and it's her house. I mean, she's getting paid. They're fixing the roof, right? Like this, this is roof money. You know, she she can throw in her voice. Oh my gosh! You know what I loved? I loved how um, this is just like honestly, I just love. I love Mary, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not sorry about it. But I love the scene where she. Where her and her and Violet again force uh, Robert to go upstairs oh. and actually look at the the the, the, the pots roof. that are that are catching the leaking roof water, and it's just such a um, it's such like a clear through line for me of how like this sort of savviness and capability has skipped a generation. <laughs> Not just not not just skip to generation, but that there's a level that like the women are the ones who are making sure that Downton really stands and the men are not. Well, yes. I mean, Lord knows Robert is basically incapable. I'm very I am very uncomfortable when Hugh Bonneville cries. I learned. Yes, that um, was that was a really weird scene. I wanted Paddington to come out and give him a hug. Like the whole Cora has a mysterious illness plot was so unnecessary. I feel like they did that just to give Elizabeth McGovern like something to do other than stand around in the background, but it didn't make any sense. Nope. Like, oh no, she's so sick. She's like giving her daughters like eternal life advice, but then she goes to the doctor, which and she's fine. Why had, she's fine. Why had she not gone to the doctor before that? I have no idea. Like, I it's it's, uh, it's just like what? Yeah. Because the thing is, is that like. I understand, like, like I, I think they did it all to have that moment where, like, she acknowledges that he married her for money, but she was okay with it. But I'm like, I feel like the whole existence of the show was sort of 
that moment. No, I, I, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, one of the other, this is the other closest to making both of these plot lines sort of fit each other. Um, the movie that, that, that Hugh Dancy, um, sorry, Jack Barber is directing is a period piece. Of course, of course it is. It's set in the Gilded Age. And, you know, we know that Julian Fellows is doing the Gilded Age. And Cora talking about, you know, when she and Robert met, you know, it really sort of referenced the fact that we we all know that Gladys is going to basically have this same kind of marriage in Fellows' other show. And I felt like there was a through line in the whole Gilded Age stuff that also was trying to tie these two storylines together and didn't come together properly. Because all we concentrated on was Cora being sick. I was so weird. Like, there's a scene where she literally, like, the thing is, is that I know that these movies don't want to cut characters. Because, like I said, part of the joy of it is seeing these, like, it's why Violet has, it's why Violet has survived this long. It's, 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 and I don't even, I don't even mean kill characters. I mean, just, like, let them not be on screen. Like, did anybody mention Cousin Lily? No. Nope. Oh, no, Cousin Rose. Sorry. Her name is Lily in real life. <laughs> um, like, no one mentioned her. And no one like, cares. And no, and it, it was fine. Like, because not everyone in your life has to be in every story of your life. But yeah, like, even even if an Isabel had that husband that follows her around, whose name I've forgotten, Douglas Freed was oh, the I've actor. Oh, I've totally forgotten. I don't know if he actually had any lines. He was just there. I don't there. think so. <laughs> like, well, you know what I also thought was weird? Uh, I love Penelope Wilton, and I and I understand that if they were going to write Violet out for good, that they needed to have Penelope Wilton there for her and, Absolutely. and Maggie Smith to have a few more great scenes together, and they did. But it occurred to me, why? Because I, I, seeing so many generations together and thinking about it, well, actually, it's because they talked about Matthew a couple of times, and mm. I keep forgetting that she's Matthew's mom. And that means she should be in Cora's age cohort. Not violets. Right. And I don't know that that had ever hit me until this moment, but I was like, why are they forcing them to be friends when she's a generation down? Because that's because that those were the two that had the chemistry. Let's be real. <laughs> um, honestly, like I the other thing that I also wanted to bring up um, is, you know, we, we, we let Vi- so we let Violet go at the end of this at the end of the movie we finally my, you know my heart she yelled at gladys so she can't I hear just... herself die and she passed oh my gosh <laughs> p.s does this mean i never have to sit through dinker being annoying again because that would be great please um but they also let barrow go we think we think okay hope. right no you're right we didn't actually see him leave so the whole thing with guy so guy <laughs> clearly has eyes only for just barrow and is following him around and basically offers him a job to be his, I don't know, boyfriend manservant? It's- I think so. I mean, I think it's like manservant with benefits. <laughs> like, it really isn't clear because like... The, it, it's- that was how I read it as manservant with benefits. Okay, and yeah, I, read I, would- it as, I read it as like, you can come and work. I'm making air quotes. Work for me. But it will give us cover to have a relationship and it will explain why you're always there and why you're always like in my intimate spaces and next to me and stuff. But it'll be like air quotes again for work. Um, so the uh, the, 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 the the area of L.A. that Guy says he lived in that lives in 
in in the movie it's um i forget i forget what it is but i actually looked it up when i got home and that was actually a a a gay area that was a silently gay area of la like people knew like that was supposed to be a key moment for us to know our history and know and know that he's basically telling barrow that he's gay and that that's but honestly like they let Barrow like make out with a guy in the other movie. Why not this one? I'm so confused. I don't. I don't know. Right? Like and Barrow I think, went dancing. I'm... Barrow like doesn't even like they don't even stand next to each other practically. Um. Yeah, it is a little weird. It's a little. It's a little weird. I actually think this is maybe more realistic to how closeted men would have to be forced to live in this time. Oh, no, absolutely. This is far more realistic. It was just startling because they they allowed themselves to drop the realism in order to give Barrow a happy story in the first movie. And here they were not. And that seems well, here is here is my question. I just don't know who. Well, this is speaking for myself. I will rephrase what I was going to say. I'm not sure that I still ever think that Barrow deserves a happy ending. He's a terrible person. And I'm sorry that his life is full of struggles and strife because of something he can't control. That is wrong. But it does not make the fact that he has not been a great person. Like, I don't I don't know. I just I am. Um, I, I feel like a lot of our, our feelings about Barrow have to do much have to do more with how much we all like that actor. Yes, I will absolutely agree that that probably that, that Robert James Collier as a as an actor is a great actor. And and he's so charming. Yeah. And I think that really sort of has colored like Barrow's redemption arc and made it much more redemptive than it actually has been. Then, like maybe the story has earned. Yes. Because. I I don't, I don't, I mean, I know this is Down Abbey and it has like 75 other storylines to serve. And this is just trying to tick the box of giving like everybody a moment of like a pseudo happy ending. Um, I do hope this is Barrow being written out though, because the show does not know what to do with that character now that he's not being an open villain. And the fact that it seems to need several other characters to tell him how okay with they are with him being gay is just really, it's weird. It's not... I don't I don't know. I don't want to be like, I think, you know, Mrs. Hughes would have some problems with this, but maybe she would. I don't know. That is one thing that I, I that is actually one thing that the Gilded Age gets more right than Downton ever did is that actually allowing characters to show that they have that they are bigots, that that allowing characters to have negative traits like that. Like, I love Mrs. Hughes and I don't want and I don't want to believe that she would be you know terrible to barrow because he was gay but also she's how old is mrs hughes like i mean she still calls herself mrs hughes even though she's mrs carson for heck's sake um also patmore speaking of love random random love oh my god (laughs) that whole subplot and the whole thing with um daisy and that guy she married whose name i legitimately cannot remember whatever i i have erased that entire plot from my mind i was like daisy's married (laughs) <laughs> oh, so I clearly forgot that. I was just, if, like I said, I mourn the version of this movie that was 90 minutes because those are definitely two of the things I would have jettisoned like immediately. Because it simply feels like somebody looking at a, ch- it's it's somebody looking at a chessboard and being like, who's not paired off? Yeah. And Patmore doesn't have a boyfriend. We need to cap- give Patmore a boyfriend. Oh, hey, you know what? That guy who adopted Daisy, who was the father of a character who died in like season two, he doesn't have anybody. Let's pair them up together. Right? Like, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a level where I don't hate it because I I love Patmore and Daisy. They're kind of cute and they're age appropriate, and right. I like that it sort of makes Daisy and Patmore family in a way. Yes, like, exactly. Like that. in a more in a more explicit way than they already are family. Like I like that, but like I there's also some there's also something just that it's okay for Mrs. Patmore to to be like a cook in a big house and have a career that she's into and and she doesn't need to marry the guy who owns the farm down the lane or live with him or something or have him come live with her so that daisy and andy can have sex without worrying about it like i i yeah (laughs) there's there's so much that's that 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 feels forced about that you know it's not like they're finding lady rosamund a husband even though she randomly showed up in this movie too well she had to because her mom died oh yeah that's true And honestly, she and Mary paired up together in the funeral march, which I thought was a... I I loved that. Yeah. I thought that, too, was a smart, a smart pairing. Um, But, yeah, I... So do we want a Downton season three? I think that's the next question. Or season um, three, Downton movie three. I mean, it kind of, it's like, it's basically like Downton season, what would it be, nine? Yes. Because I guess the movie would be like, season, the, the first movie would be season seven, second movie would be season eight. Um, Yes, but I have some caveats. Because I think, I think they need to make some hard choices about what characters to focus these movies on. Like I've said a couple of times, I totally get the impetus to want to put like 40 people on screen together that everybody loves and wants to like check in on and see how they're doing. But checking in on 40 people means that like each of the 40 people gets five minutes. And that is not like a great cohesive story. And it's not super satisfying if your favorite character is one of the ones that only gets to like randomly marry the farmer from down the lane. But, um, I also think with with the so I think they first I think they need to make some hard choices like what did Edith and her husband do in this movie besides be rich nothing nothing so like I think they need to make some hard choices about which characters need to appear in these movies going forward and I think probably the smart move would be to officially sort of jump to the next generation I'm sorry Robert and Cora I don't know what else like to do with you um and really make it about uh, about Mary and Edith and Tom and and their sort of lives and families as opposed to trying to tie it all back to every character we've ever met. Well, I feel like there are definitely some characters who have been given out other than Violet. Um, you know, as as we noted, you know, <laughs> Barrow has been given an out. Um, Dinker has been given an out. Um, Mosley can move to Hollywood and write scripts and he can take Baxter with him. Um, you know, we have we 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 have a few things here where we can quietly get rid of some, you know, the the Hexams don't need to be there unless you have a really compelling reason. Um, Carson like I, truly, I truly felt like their own only job in this film was to just be rich. Yes. Um, you know, we can move Branson and Lucy down to France and leave them there. Like we Well, no, they also they're going to um they're going to take over the big house that Imelda Staunton has and she's going to move into the dower house. So they're going to have their own big estate now. Oh, okay. Bro- Brompton or whatever it is. I I totally missed that part. See, and that's the thing is I go to these movies and I take notes and I still miss that part. Like I don't believe in taking notes. We all know that. Yes, I know. Um, but 
Yeah, I just feel like in the same way that the royal family tried to streamline and like, you know, quietly move off like Andrew's daughters and, you know, basically everybody but Charles and Will and Harry and now just Charles and Will. I feel like Downton needs to streamline to the center, the center heirs. I feel like Mary needs to be the center here. One hundred percent, and and that ev- that whatever story we tell next, Mary is the one that Fellows loves the most. I think that I think we can all agree with that. That 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 of all the characters, she is the one he truly vibes with, and I think that we should just go with that. I agree, and like I said before, I think they've really set that up nicely with the whole like you are Violet, you are Violet two point Yeah, and. And they've established that she doesn't need to have her husband present for a decent story. Yeah. I mean, I guess she'll have to just keep being like, Henry sent another telegram and is a jerk. Like, until the end of time. Or until he dies in a racing accident, which is very... I think the odds of that are not zero. She always knew he'd do that. <laughs> um, What else? I would... Uh, honestly, like, at this point, I think two... And and I know that part of the appeal of Downton is the upstairs downstairs vibes, but I think just like rolling back a little bit on on some of the the downstairs stuff. Honestly, at, at the nineteen thirties, when will Carson know peace? Like <laughs> when the nineteen thirties is when people who worked in great houses really began to stop working in great houses. And I know this because my grandmother on my father's side was actually a Daisy when she was young. And it was the 1930s when she left service and actually started working like, you know, in offices the way that we do now. Um, And that, that change needs to come. I think we need to really admit that. When will Carson be free? Like he is just gonna be the butler at Downton until, until he drops dead. Until he drops dead, and and then Mary will feel guilty about that too. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I guess Carson is just gonna be the butler at Downton forever. Like, let the man retire. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just, I also, I just feel like, yeah, I think you're right about the Mary thing because I feel like Edith and her husband. Didn't do anything except be rich. Listen, Edith, talk- look, e- e- it's nice that Edith writes for a living. As a writer, I'm very happy for yeah, her. She does not write for a living, girl. She married, what is he, a duke? Uh, Mar- um, Marion, um, 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 Marquis. Yeah. Like, there, there's no there's no need. Like, don't get me wrong. This is her fun time hobby. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. She married best out of everybody. Good for Edith. But but in the same way that I'm sort of like, I, I don't mind having Branson around, but and again, he's married Lucy now. He's good. He's settled. Let let them go. I think I think that Mary is the is the is the the thread to follow here if we are to do a third movie. I agree. And I could also do without the really weird like where they try to work in Tom's like socialist tendencies at random moments where they're like, but listen, will- if you're going to have an entire plot point where everybody is like a scab, let's just not even pretend. I know. Well, he's just like, but I guess my daughter could have this massive estate and huge wealth come to her, but she's definitely going to give back. <laughs> sure, Ooh. dude. Sure. Okay. Also, how is Sibby 14? I'm a thousand. <laughs> Can I also just note that, like, you know, I think Violet technically is like 102. You shut up. She should be immortal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's end with R.I.P. Violet Crowley, a real one who yeah. I really thought would live forever. 
Well, you um, know, you know, fellows tried. <laughs> I know she did get the best lines in this movie. She got she actually got a whole lot of really great lines in this movie. She did, and she got a great funeral. And honestly, that was the most moving part of the whole film. Yeah, and that was that was where I actually got a little bit teary. Yeah, that was that was that was a send she got a send off worthy of her character. You know, Maggie Smith, we salute you. Oh my gosh, when Mary put on her brooch, I literally was just I like, know. oh, my girl. <laughs> my girl becoming my other girl. Um, yeah, we love you, Violet. I feel like I should, like, what? I feel like we should end with, like, our favorite Violetisms, but mine are, like, still all from the first season. Oh, what? Like, what is a weekend? I actually have a mug that says, what is a weekend? I, be- I bet a lot of people do. No, my favorite is. Uh, my favorite is when she like I think she goes to see Matthew for the first time and she like she sits, sits in, in the, the chair, chair and it's and it's spinning. She's like, <laughs> okay, that 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 moment where she sits in the chair is a is a is a running gif in my friends group. Like we just pull that out all the time. It's just it, like and like just it, there are so many Violet crawling moments that are iconic, but that is probably the most visual. I also love "Don't be defeatist, dear." It's very middle class. <laughs> R.I.P. to a real one. And that is our discussion on Downton Abbey. A new era, which I feel like we should have just saved to say at the end. (laughs) They did. Um, What is the new era? I guess the new era is Violet's dead. Yes, that 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 Violet has passed and now it is a new era and it is it is Lady Mary's era. Um, Because she's going to once George comes of age in a few short years, she's going to be the Dowager Duchess. And we are just that. That's what we Yes. Is she going to be not Dowager Duchess, Dowager uh, Countess? But yes, yes, she will. Because oh, yay! Yes, that makes me so happy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really understand how titles work. Like, <laughs> it seems very complicated. And I did. But speaking of titles, I, the one time I really laughed at Cora was when she's like, "Well, if you're not your father's son, no, it was Edith." Where she's <laughs> like, "If, if, I mean." Matthew's uh, the next in line would have been Matthew's father, and Matthew's son's gonna inherit, so it's fine. <laughs> like, way to be, way to be, <laughs> way to be practical, Good job, girl. Edith. Good job. <laughs> um. Anyway, a new era is upon us. Uh. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure if this movie does enough money, they're gonna make another one. What will it look like? Who can say? I. I'm... I mean, honestly, the thing about Downton is that it has always defied expectations. Since the beginning, it has defied expectations. No one thought it was going to be the hit for Masterpiece that year. No one thought that first movie was going to do anything at the box like office. No one. I'm sure this one will still do great. What year are we technically in? I believe we are in 1929. Okay, so we got a ways to go before before World War II. But yeah, I would say that the 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 new era would be the 1930s, where Lady Mary is now the new Lady Violet. It's Lady Mary's time. Um, Dragon Lady Mary. We'd love to see it. Anyway, um, I could probably still talk about this for a while, but I will stop for the sake of everyone listening. So, Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cast being very fuzzy on Instagram at Annie Bundle. Uh, let's see, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. Um, so, you know, basically just follow me on Twitter because that's where I retweet all my bylines. That's how you know what I this week ta-da 
Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I, too, always retweet my bylines. So follow me if you would like to see all of that business. If you just want the cats, they're at Baker and Hammer on Instagram. And if you just want the British stuff, the site and the pod are on social media at Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook, and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. You can listen to our podcast at your podcast app of choice or on YouTube at the WETA YouTube page, which is WETA PBS. Uh, if you want more than all of that, which I hope you do, you can visit us at televisions.org and click on that donate button up top while you're there to help us keep making all this content for your ears and eyeballs and get access to PBS Passport at the same time, which is just like chock full of early streaming exclusives and stuff that's not on air that you can watch it's i i used to run down like a list of these things but it's like so much now you should just go look it up and and see what's what for yourself um i can't part of me is like yeah the down abbey movie finally happened because it kept getting pushed back so many times i'm like i, I, I guess. think i think it's a i think it went in a good spot though like i think if I there too. was one place that like that should be it would it, it should be here like it's a summertime movie and I don't know about where everybody else is listening from, but here in the D.C. area, it is like 90 freaking degrees out. Jesus. Ridiculously hot this weekend. So it's a great I think it's going to benefit from people like seeking out air conditioning because it's like not even Memorial Day and it's like 95 here. Um, huzzah. Anyway, as always, thank you, everyone, for listening. Leave us some five-star reviews on the podcast app of your choice and send us some emails at televisions at weta.org if you have thoughts, feelings, emotions about Downton Share, uh, things we should talk about in future Classics Revisited episodes and all that other stuff. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, do something nice for a stranger. It is a weird, wild world out there right now. And maybe consider like putting your mask on back in some places because cases are rising and you know we're undercounting. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.